The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. Well, if you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verse 3 this morning. It is an absolutely spectacular verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Now, if you're like me, the first time I came across that verse years ago, I was a little skeptical because I I read that, okay, he's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. So what are we talking about? Are we talking about just spiritual? Or what what, what happens to the material needs that I have? What happens to my day-to-day, or are they all the same? And then when I see it says, in heavenly places, I'm like, okay, is that just in heaven? What about here? What about now? So let's explore that and find out how awesome that is for us right here and now. Now, we know that Paul's letters tend to divide into two sections, Uh, when he's teaching here. There's the teaching portion and the application, or we could say faith and life. Uh, Doctrine is followed by duty, but usually long before it gets to the duty section, Paul reveals what God has done for us by praising and, and glorifying Christ. We see this throughout all of Paul's letters. So I got a little echo going here. It is really echoing in my ear, so... Okay, Um, so we've got a remarkable uh, section here in Paul's letter. To begin with, verses 3 through 14 are one sentence in the original Greek. Now, translators have broken it up to make it much easier for us to to deal with and uh, to give us a greater understanding. But what Paul does is he starts off by praising God, talking about every spiritual blessing And then he just heaps phrase upon phrase, doctrine upon doctrine. It's just like an engine roaring up. John R. Stott, uh, a noted writer and uh, preacher, he lists some of these things with these great metaphors. He, He says that this section is a gateway, a golden chain, a kaleidoscope, a snowball, a horse race, an operatic overture. I mean, he just goes on and on heaping metaphors about how amazing this section is. The wonderful thing is that the panorama of the color really enhances your life and mine as we begin to understand in an amazing way who Christ is and what he has done for us. And, you know, we're all in our humanness prone to get caught up in life. We get caught up in the problems of life. We deal with them every day. And oftentimes we just kind of get swept in and we forget the resources that God has so wonderfully blessed us with. Now, if we're going to do an expositional study of the book of Ephesians and go through it verse by verse, one of the things we're going to find is that there's an actual Trinitarian ministry taking place here. The work of God the Father is chiefly described in verses 3 through 6. The work of the Lord Jesus Christ in verses 7 through 10. And the work of the Holy Spirit in verses 11 through 14. And to make it more understanding, we have a breakdown that gives us the blessings of election in verses 4 to 6, 
the present blessing of adoption in verses 5 to 8, and the future blessing of unification in verses 9 to 10. So we could literally spend a month in this one section going through it. But to summarize what Paul is saying to us here, and this is what I really want us to, to get down. Paul is saying that the blessings listed come from God the Father, they become ours in Jesus Christ, and they are supplied by the Holy Spirit. You stop and think for a minute how much God loves us, that the entire Trinity is involved in us. Do you just, do you just let that sink in? Let that kind of deep into your heart. So let's look, first of all, at spiritual blessings. And please note that our, our verse says <clears throat> that God has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So what are we to make of the word spiritual? What is he talking about here when he uses that word? Well, it could mean one of two things. It could mean because the Holy Spirit is the one delivering it, that they're spiritual. Or it could mean that these are spiritual rather than material blessings. The phrase in heavenly places, which also occurs in a sentence, suggests that Paul is probably talking about the spiritual. Now, this does not mean that he doesn't supply the material. In fact, we find quickly that in Matthew 6, 25, when he tells his disciples that he will supply all their needs. And then, of course, in Philippians 4.19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So we shouldn't really worry about the material. God will provide in his time and in his way. But these material provisions are relatively unimportant when you consider them against the spiritual. And why? Well, because we're talking about eternal life. We're talking about our relationship with God. And although in this life we may have more or less material blessings, uh, in spiritual terms, we don't have some spiritual blessings. We have all spiritual blessings. Now just, I want you to think about that. You and I have all spiritual blessings blessings. Now, what does that mean? Well, let me outline a few of them for you this morning from our passage. The first one is election. Paul says, he, that is God, chose us in him, that is Christ, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, verse 4. So what material blessing can possibly stand up to that? This troubles a lot of people because we suppose that, that if we're talking about God's election, then it takes away man's choice and the desire to live a holy life. But this is not what happens. Instead of destroying the value of human choice, an election gives the capacity for choosing that he did not previously possess. Now, when you look at 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says the natural person, the, the unsaved person, the person that has no relationship with Christ, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. 
and he is not able to understand them because he, they are spiritually discerned. So any person who has not been regenerated by the Spirit does not have the capacity to understand. Why? Because it's spiritually understood. So when God blesses with all spiritual blessings, His election before the foundation of the world draws us and gives us the capacity to understand what's going on and what He has done for us. Before we were made alive in Christ, we had human will. But it was always against God, not towards Him. We could choose, but we always chose wrongly. And when we were made alive in Christ, we received a new nature according to God that beforehand would be undesirable. Now it becomes desirable, and we willingly submit ourselves to God. Again, so far as living a holy life is concerned, there are many texts where God expresses His desire for you and I to live a holy life. You don't possess the capacity to be holy, but Christ makes you holy. You do not have the capacity to be holy. Only Christ makes you holy. So the only way we can know whether we are among true Christians is whether we are living a holy life. Now, I hasten to say, I'm not talking about a perfect life, okay? We're all sinners. This side of glory, we'll all struggle, we'll all make mistakes, we'll all have issues. But it is the desire of our hearts, our longing to know Christ, our longing to walk with Him. When you think about your own personal life, do you have a deep, compassionate desire for Christ? Do you have within your heart the desire to be faithful to Him, to serve Him? This is what he's talking about here. So election teaches that salvation comes from the Lord, Jonah 2.9. Paul makes this clear in our passage. He teaches that God chose, verse 4, predestinated, verse 5, gave, verse 6, forgave, verse 7, Lavished grace, verse 7 and 8. May note his will, verse 9. Purposed, verse 9. Uh, he included, verse 13. And marked us with a seal of the Holy Spirit, verse 13. Your salvation from beginning to end is God. Totally. And he is in control with every single phase of it from the beginning to end. The second word is adoption. This is the second spiritual blessing, and I want you to look at verse 5, but I want to back up to verse 4 because your translation, you may see the last two words of verse 4, in love, right before in, there could be either a semicolon or a period. So really, those two words belong to verse 5 if we're breaking it up correctly. So it says, in love, he predestinated us for the adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. Adoption means becoming God's son and daughters with all the privileges implied. And on that basis, we are known as heirs. Romans eight seventeen says, And if children, then heirs, 
heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. You and I are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. All that the Father has given Christ is ours. You know, I, I think of one great illustration we have here in our fellowship, and that's little Kaylee Drought. You know, uh, Matt and Tracy had two sons and a daughter, and when they took in Kaylee as a foster child, she enjoyed everything in the home, but there were restrictions. And there had to be reports, and there had to be, you know, accountability, and there had to be going back to the foster home and all that sort of stuff. But the day they adopted her, she had all the rights and privileges of her stepbrothers and sisters. She was a drought. And that's literally what happens to you and I. When Christ died for us and drew us to himself and we came to him and gave our lives to him, we became joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We have all the rights and privileges. So if you stop and think about your own life and where you're at, does your life radiate a life of Christ? Are you, does your life show forth the capacity and the willingness and the joy that comes from being a member of a royal family? That's really what we get in adoption. It's a precious, precious truth. One of the great spiritual blessings. And the next one is redemption. Redemption means being delivered from the slavery of sin by the death of Christ which Paul indicates by saying in verse 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sin, our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Now, in Paul's time, a person could become a slave in one of three ways. He could be born a slave. In his time, if a slave bore children, they were automatically owned by the slave master and they were automatically slaves. He could become a slave by conquest. Another country conquering another country, the ones who were conquered became the slaves of the conquerors. Or he could become a slave by debt. Someone who was not able to pay their debt as a last resort could become a slave to the one he owed. But interestingly, the Bible says that we are slaves in the exact same way. We are born in sin receiving a sinful nature passed down. Uh, David said in Psalm 51.5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Every person born from Adam and Eve are born sinners. Every person is born a slave to sin. We are conquered by sin. Psalm 19, verse 13, Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. We're all born under the dominion of sin. And we are also slaves to sin through death. Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Redemption means Jesus delivered us from slavery by his work on the cross. He purchased us out of the slave market of sin, and we became his. We did not even want to at first. We didn't know any better, but we, because of his death on the cross, 
He made it possible. And Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, 18-19, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You know, it's so important for us to constantly remind ourselves of these truths. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know these things. But when you stop and review the constant, overwhelming love of God to lavish these things on us, to draw us to Himself, and to encourage us as we live. The fourth word is forgiveness of sins. Paul links forgiveness and redemption together. Verse 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. However, forgiveness of sins is something different than redemption. Redemption means being freed from the power of sin. It no longer rules over us. That's what redemption means. We have been saved from the power of sin. The, the other situation that we find in redemption and then forgiveness is that in forgiveness, the slate is wiped clean. Now just think about that for a minute. I don't know what kind of past life you've had. I don't know if you've grown up squeaky clean or got a lot of skeletons. But when you came to Christ, it was wiped clean. You stand before God the Father, and He looks at you through the blood of Christ as being washed completely. You think about that. Oftentimes, we're prone to think about past mistakes and things that have gone wrong. It kind of hangs over us like a cloud. You know, every time we start to go good, we think back and think, well, God's not going to bless me. I mean, look at this, look at... No. You are white clean from that guilt. God sent His Son to die on that cross to save you and to wipe away your sins. David wrote in Psalm 103, verse 3, who forgives all, all our iniquities. Jeremiah quotes God as saying in Jeremiah 31, 34, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. And then John wrote in 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I mean, you talk about awesome spiritual blessings. Do you see how they infiltrate all material blessings? When your heart and mind is right, and when we're basking in the glory of our adopted position in Christ, and we know we have all of eternity with Him, how important are the humdrum things of the day? I mean, it's far more powerful, His grace and His mercy. But in that love and mercy, He's promised to supply all our needs while we're here. So the spiritual blessings are more powerful, but they actually infiltrate every day of our lives. And that's a tremendous truth that we have to know that it's all wiped away completely. Fifth, the revelation of God's purpose, purpose in history. Now, Paul reaches great heights of wonderment 
and he, and he speaks of God's great purpose in history here. Look at verse 9 and 10. Making known to us the mystery of his will. Now, you know what that is? That's family business. Okay? That's family secrets. Because the world doesn't understand that. But we who know Christ do. He's making known to us the mystery of his will. According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. To unite all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. Paul lived in a broken world as we do. He was familiar with Greek pitted against Roman, Jew against Gentile, rich against poor. We see it today in our society, don't we? We see color pitted against color, nationality against nationality. It's an ongoing problem. It will always be an ongoing problem as long as we're this side of glory. But Paul knew the answer. The disharmony of the world is not going on forever. For the same God who predestinated us to salvation in Jesus Christ also predestinated all things to be brought under his submission. Philippians 2, verses 10 through 11. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and in earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's coming a time when every one of us here will bow the knee. We're either going to bow the knee in praise and worship and thanksgiving or bow the knee in judgment. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Those who come to him will bow the knee in praise and glory and be with him for eternity. But those who try to go life on their own will find a very, very different future. But God in his great love has offered a way of escape. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Six, sealing by the Holy Spirit. You talk about a, a wonderful spiritual blessing. Seals authenticate documents, and it declares that what's in the document to be true and good. And this is what the Holy Spirit does for Christians. So when Paul says in verse 13, "...and him you also, when you heard the word of truth," the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. He's saying that God's gift of the Holy Spirit is an authentication that believers are truly God's. And that none of the promises of God will fail. So when you come to Christ, you are stamped with the Holy Spirit bought and paid for. And that Holy Spirit is your seal. As Ephesians says, we are sealed until the day of redemption. You come to Christ, you can't lose your salvation because the Holy Spirit is your seal. And listen, if you are not good enough to save yourself, you're certainly not good enough to keep yourself saved, right? 
So we need that seal, that Holy Spirit that just stamps it on us. So God gives us the Holy Spirit not only to guide us into all truth, but to seal us and assure us and give us that foundation so that when we struggle and we wonder what's going on, we can grab that truth and know, God, but I am always yours and you will see me through. What a blessing it is to know that you've been sealed by God himself. Then, seven, there's the inheritance. Now, the Holy Spirit, who is our seal and authentication, is actually more than that. He is himself a portion of our inheritance. Paul speaks of that when he, he terms the Holy Spirit in verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So according to this verse, Christians are God's inheritance, but the Holy Spirit who is God has been given to us as a down payment to guarantee our future reward. So the Holy Spirit is a seal and he's a down payment. So when you're going through life, no matter how, what comes at you, and you begin to struggle, you, th you remind yourself, okay, I've been sealed, so I'm his. And he's also a down payment guaranteeing my future. What an incredible work that the Holy Spirit has for us to be our seal and our guarantee. Just think how much God loves you. That he would give his precious Holy Spirit to guide us, to seal us. So here's what it is. The Holy Spirit says, you're coming with me. I got this. And you can rest in the peace and the joy of that spiritual leading. And that's why we're always talking about the Spirit-filled life. That's why we're always talking about He must increase and I must decrease. That's why we're always talking about allowing the Spirit to lead us and to be in the Word and study. Because the guarantee you've been given, the seal you've been given, the down payment on your future is there to guide you every step of the way. We don't have to go life alone. We don't have to. Many people are trying to get through life in their own way. And the resources that have been given us through the Spirit are overwhelming if we allow Him to just take us and lead us. I can't think of anything more precious than that. But all of this is because of Christ. The last part of verse 3 tells us that the spiritual blessings given by God are in Christ, which means in Jesus only, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Therefore, it is only by our union with Christ that any of these spiritual blessings come to us. You can't get there by religion. You can't get there by trying to be good. You can't get there by trying to live some sort of holy life and doing good and giving money to charity and helping people. and do. That doesn't get it. They only come through Christ. He is the only one that gives them out. Do you know Christ? I mean, do you really no, Christ. Martin Lloyd-Jones puts it well when he said, quote, If you leave out the in Christ, you will never have any blessings at all. 
Every blessing we enjoy as Christian people comes to us through the Lord Jesus Christ, end of quote. So what does anyone have apart from Christ? There are many successful people in the world who aren't Christians. There are many people that seem to have all the blessings any of us could ever want. But listen to what Ephesians says just a chapter later in chapter 2, verse 12. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Apart from Christ, you have no hope, irregardless of what this world is doing for you. He must increase. He must decrease. But he gives us hope. He draws us to him. He removes the scales and shows us his mercy and his grace. And whoever comes to him will have eternal life. Whoever gives their life to him will be sealed by the Holy Spirit. Whoever comes to him in full surrender, surrender will be guaranteed of a future inheritance. Whoever comes to Christ will have the power of the Spirit to guide us into all truth. Whoever comes to Christ will have every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. And whoever comes to Christ can be assured that God will supply all your needs. What a blessing. What an incredible life. And it's a free gift. He offers it freely. Do you know Christ? I don't mean do you know about him and do you come to church and do you put money in the offering plate? None of that means anything. Does he own you? Is his seal upon your heart? Are you sure you're guaranteed of future? If you're not, I pray that you'd come talk to me or talk to someone that we might show you how you can be absolutely sure, how you can be sealed until the day of redemption. May Jesus Christ be praised by his amazing work of what he's done for each one of us. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you this morning, we're just so thankful of the power of your spirit. We're so thankful for every spiritual blessing that you give to us. I don't think any of us fully understand the overwhelming blessings that you have for all of us. In our human weakness, we're prone to see trials bigger than anything else. You allow those trials to show us you. To give us strength. Bless everyone this morning. Give us the strength we long for. That we might radiate Jesus Christ. 
I pray for those who are struggling, who just can't seem to get over the hump. Help them, Lord, to just give up and let you have their way. And may they become gloriously saved. And as we leave here this morning, may we leave Christians with a new zeal and desire to know you better, to understand the seal, understand redemption, understand adoption, understand all these things that you've lavished on us so freely. To Christ be the glory. And we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. God bless.